That was an awesome weekend. If you guys missed out, our baptism celebration weekends are some of the most fun that we have here at Lakeside. And so we've got one coming in August. Be ready for it. Be here. It's going to be fantastic. We're super excited about it. My name's Ryan. I am one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to share with you this morning. I was thinking about kind of what I wanted to share with you, and a lot of times as I process through kind of talks and how things are going to play out and what, what's kind of on my heart, what God's doing. I, I look at my life and some of the things that I grew up with, some of the experiences that I've had uh, from my childhood. My mom uh, was a very interesting lady uh, and has provided me with endless sermon material um, for the rest of my life. And one of the things that she loved to do growing up was she collected things. And she collected all sorts of things, primarily teddy bears. Uh, and so we had hundreds of teddy bears in our house. She loved teddy bears. And then snowmen. And so every Christmas, our house was overtaken with snowmen. But there was something else. And it was one of those things that really drove us nuts. See, she had two sons. And then there's my dad. So she was the only female in our household. And so with that came kind of she had to adapt to us a lot of times. But also we had to experience a lot of things that she wanted to do. Um, and I'm sure that as a mom with two sons who are not interested in the things that she was interested in, that was a challenge. And one of those things was every time we went to the mall, 
we would have to spend at least 20 to 25 minutes in the purse section. And she collected purses. She would go through and she would look at them all. And as a young kid, I would look at them and be like, they're all the same. They all accomplish the same purpose. And she would be like, no, they're not. You don't understand. And she would pick out a purse. She would buy it and go home. And she would take her current purse, unload it into her new purse, and then throw her old purse into the stack that it accumulated in her closet. And she pulled the same thing that we all do when there are things that we love. She would be like, well, I'm still going to use that one later, but I want to use this one now. And what I didn't realize is that there is something very cool about bags. At a young age, I didn't know this till about middle school. And I think this is a genetic trait that I inherited from my mom. It manifested in middle school is that I love bags. I love them. I think they are some of the coolest things in the world because they have all sorts of useful purposes, some intended and some not. And they are fantastic. And in middle school, I realized I wanted a Jansport backpack. I had to have a Jansport backpack because they were the coolest bag out there. They're super basic. There's nothing fancy about them other than they say Jansport on them. But I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I needed a Jansport backpack. And then I noticed that every year I needed a new backpack. Something else, something cool. And it's carried on into adulthood. And there are all sorts of cool bags out there that you can collect. And guys, it's okay to like bags. I want you to know this. It is okay. There is nothing wrong with appreciating a good bag. And I've come to the conclusion that, guys, a lot of times, the reason that we are so anti-purse is because, in reality, when you peel back the layers, we're just jealous. <laughs> because purses are super cool. I don't have a purse, okay? I don't carry one around, primarily because I just don't want to get made fun of. But purses are really cool. In fact, my wife, uh, my father-in-law got her a purse and she brought it home and she was like, yeah, uh, dad got me a new purse. And I was like, that's awesome. This is a nice, small purse. It was a lie. (laughs) Because it opens up into something much larger. And then I realized that is so the perfect commentary for what purses are. Because purses, at least for my wife, and I know for my coworker Alicia, I don't know if she's in here, but purses are a bottomless pit, okay? They hold everything, yet you can find nothing. It seems that if you put a pair of keys into a purse, they will disappear for all eternity. And you can never find anything except for the things that you don't want, but they can hold tons of stuff. And that's awesome. And this is a super cool bag because it's kind of a trick. It's a party trick. You can take it over and be like, hey, look at my cool little purse. And then wham, there it is. It's huge and it's awesome. And it holds a bunch of stuff. And I realized that I love bags because they perform all sorts of things. And I always get new bags when I can. And I had to get a new bag last fall because my daughter threw up on my other one. And so I was like, yes, (laughs) new backpack time. And so I order a backpack. And when I order a backpack, I want to get something that has all the cool pockets, all the cool clips, everything with it. So I got this bag and I got it. And I was like, this is awesome. I mean, it's got Velcro on the outside. I don't know why but it's there, and if I have something sticky, I can put it there, and it's great. But the problem with backpacks is that 
Well, they they kind of end up in the same spot. You see, when you get a new backpack or a new purse, what's exciting about it is you get to be organized. You clean out your old thing and you put it in all the perfect spaces. You put the pens in the slots that they're supposed to go into. You know, you have a little pocket for your iPad or your computer. You can fit everything in there and you make it all nice and neat. But what ends up happening for me after about 36 hours the same thing that has happened with every bag. It just becomes a giant mess. I don't have the patience after a long day at work to make sure I put the pen into the slot. I just throw it into my bag. And so what ends up happening is I start accumulating stuff and I didn't clean this out to like set this up. So in here, I've got my iPad. Let's see. Um, I've got my Bible. I'm going to need that today. Uh, a journal, another journal, another Bible. Apparently, I like to have heavy things in my bag. Um, an old thing of cough drops, an old receipt. Oh, and some cough drops, a hard drive, and a bunch of pens. And that's, that's about it. But it's super messy in here. Like, I don't want you to look in here because there are, like, probably some food stains. You might see fruit flies come out of here. You know, all sorts of stuff. Because what ends up happening is it always falls apart. It always gets to the same thing. That we have this pretty bag and we put all of our stuff in it all nice and neat. And then over time, it just gets filled with junk and it ends up being a mess. And you know what the reality is? It's way easier to go and buy a new bag than it is to learn to not be messy. So rather than become a more organized person, I'm just going to go buy a new bag. And then at least I will feign being organized and having it all together for 36 hours until it all falls apart again. And here's the deal. That's life. And this is what we do in life. You see, we've all got messes in our lives. We all have junk. And, and rather than dealing with the messes and the brokenness and the weaknesses and the hurt, we put it into a really cool, pretty bag. Because when I'm carrying my backpack around, or if I have a briefcase or whatever, what do you see? You see organization, you see utility, you see it all together. And so as long as I keep my bag looking nice on the outside, the stuff on the inside doesn't matter. Because you can only see what I'm letting you see. And so often in life, what happens is that we tend to take all the things that we struggle with, all the junk, and we just, we put it into a pretty bag. And we keep our bag zipped nicely, looking great on the outside. So that way, we look like we have it all together. Because there's nothing better than people thinking that you have it all together, right? We all thrive off of being esteemed for our lives looking perfect, right? No, just me? Does anyone in here have a social media account? We all thrive off our lives looking perfect, right? Because what do we do with social media? Social media is a nice bag because it allows us to pick and choose what is visible to everybody around us. You know, you probably don't post photos on your Instagram account 
supposed to fight with your spouse? Being like, love of my life. (laughs) You don't post a photo of the meltdown that your child is having and being like, oh, thank God for the blessings of children. No, we pick and choose the perfect thing to present the perfect image so that way no one asks questions and it looks perfect on the outside. I did this on Friday with my son. My son was learning to ride his bike and we took the training wheels off. He's like, dad, I think I'm ready. And I was like, I don't think you are, but okay, let's do this. And so he got on his bike and we were going around the driveway and I was holding on to him and, and he was leaning the wrong way. And if I let go, he's going to fall over. And I was like, you're not ready. He's like, I'm ready. Just knock it off. And so we kind of go at it for a minute. He's six, but he's, uh, he's a really good arguer. Um, and so I'm like, fine, have it your way. But when you fall and you cry, don't come to me. And so he's like, okay. And then he sits in the garage, he gets on his bike, and he pushes, and he rides away perfectly. First try, just like he'd been doing it for years. And it was amazing, and I was super proud. Which part do you think I posted about on Instagram? Not the fight beforehand, not the red-faced, frustrated dad who's disappointed in how his son's acting. No, I posted the one celebrating what he had accomplished because, you know, my life's perfect. I don't want you to see the downside. So look at this bag that I've created to make sure that it looks like I've got it all together. Our world tells us that we need to have pretty bags. And our bags look different depending on what they are. Maybe your bag is uh, your car. And you know what? I'm going to have a really nice car because if I drive a nice car, then people are going to think that I'm successful and that I'm powerful. Or maybe if I have the perfect house with the perfect home decor, people will think like I am the most organized, structured, together person in the world. Or maybe it's work. If I put in all these hours, people are going to see how worthy I am of that race or how worthy I am of this position when all the while those are just masks for the insecurities and the brokenness and the weakness that we have inside but we're too afraid to deal with because we fear not being accepted not being loved and not being welcomed so instead let me make myself as appealing and attractive as possible and I'm going to wrap it in this nice bag so that's all you see but here's the problem That very mentality that the world tells us about have it all together, be powerful, look successful, all of these things, make sure your image is just right, that is antithetical to the gospel message. Because Jesus doesn't say, hey, make sure you have it all together and then come to me. And when you're ready, when you figured all this stuff out, then I'm ready for you. The gospel is built on the very premise of own your brokenness, own your weakness, recognize you can't do it yourself, and come to me because I will take care of it for you. I will step in and fix this. And the funny thing is, that's what the gospel is about, and yet some of the places where we bring our prettiest bags are to the community of believers. We bring it to church. The place where we should be able to shed all of the bags and let everything be seen is the one place where oftentimes we disguise it the most. I mean, think about when you walked into the lobby today and you were greeted by someone. Hey, how are you today? What's the general response? Good, fine, great. 
how are you? And you smile, right? All the while you're hiding that you were screaming in your kids in the back of your van on the way to church this morning because they spilt chocolate milk everywhere. Or all the while because you woke up from a fight with your spouse and you're still feeling angry. Or you know what? You woke up and you're worrying about how you're going to pay your next bill. But when you come here, have it all together. Make sure the bag's pretty. Because, I mean, that's what church is about. We're good. Because following Jesus means all our problems go away. Right? No. No, there should be a whole lot of like this. No. Following Jesus doesn't take your problems away. Following Jesus means that Jesus will redeem you through everything that you're going through. And there's a story. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Matthew 19. But what we have to understand as we're going there is this. We all have baggage. Every single one of us. It doesn't matter if you don't know Jesus or you've been following Jesus for 75 years. We all have baggage. We all have things that we have held on to, that we have wrapped to make pretty and nice, and that we don't want anyone else to see. We don't want to pull back the curtain to reveal. We all hold on to things. And this is nothing new. This is not some concept that we only deal with in our Western materialized culture. This is something that has gone on for years since the creation of man, holding things back and preserving ourselves, thinking that we needed to do that. In Matthew 19, there's a story of a young man. He comes to Jesus and he's really concerned. He wants to know, Jesus, what, what about heaven? What do I need to do to get to heaven? And in this story, Jesus responds in a really interesting way that I think is super important for us to see. And this is a take on this story that I don't think is very common, but it's there, and I believe that it's something we need to focus on. Matthew 19, verse 16, says this, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to stop there for a moment. Now, are those hard commandments to keep? I mean, you shall not murder. That should, be, that, that should be an easy commandment to keep. It should be one of those ones like, okay, yeah, that one, that's super easy, right? You know, most of us are able to like fight that urge when it arises. And so it's not like Jesus is setting the bar super high here with this guy. You shall not murder. Okay, Jesus, I've got that one. That one's good. Uh, you shall not steal. Yeah, that's pretty manageable. That's an attainable commandment to keep. You shall not commit adultery. Again, that's pretty manageable. That's, that's one that you can keep. You shall not, sorry, honor your father and mother. You shall honor your father and mother. That's pretty easy to keep, at least give lip service to, right? So Jesus isn't saying like, hey, lofty, here you go. Come on. And then he goes in and he says, now love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Ooh. You're asking me to do a lot, Jesus. But, but I think I'm good. And this young man responds to Jesus. And he says, all these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, 
Go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. See, Jesus does something here. He, he knows that this young man is, is a good religious person. He does all the right things. He keeps the commandments. He goes and he participates in the things that he's supposed to. He's at church every weekend. I mean, this guy is the picture of being a good God follower. He does it all. He comes to church and he smiles and he participates. He probably volunteers in middle school ministry, which is what we know extra holy people do. You know, when he comes to worship, he's not the low-hand person. He's the high-hand person, unabashedly worshiping God and putting it out there. He reads his Bible every day. He prays every day. He goes through all the motions, and his question reveals his heart. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He's looking at it as a task list. What are the things that I need to do? And Jesus is like, well, do these things. But Jesus knows there's more to it. He knows there's more coming. And the guy's like, well, I do all that stuff. So I'm, I'm good. Do I still lack something? And then Jesus cuts to the chase. Here's your bag. Let's unzip it and see what's inside. Oh, go and sell all your possessions and give everything to the poor. All of a sudden, it just got real. Jesus has opened his bag to see what is being held back in the religious practice. Yeah, you can go through the, the, all the motions, but if you're holding back something, then you are not where you need to be. And it's funny because Jesus uses the term perfect here, but that's a really poor translation. He says, if you want to be perfect, then go and do this. But a better translation for that word is actually complete. If you want to be complete, then go and do this. Because the man cannot be complete if he is keeping his baggage. He's holding on to it. He's keeping it for himself. He's trying to somehow navigate these two worlds. If I can keep this junk hidden and still be fully devoted to Jesus, fully invested in Jesus, but, but just don't open my bag. Don't see what's inside. And he says, as long as you do that, you're not complete. You're not resting in the fullness of who I want you to be. So if you want to be complete, go and do this. He opens the bag. Oh, his baggage, materialism, idolatry of wealth and possessions. All of those things are before him. And he is like, oh my gosh. And so what does the young man do in response to that? Does this in verse 22, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He went away sad because he had great wealth. His bag has been opened, but instead of saying, Jesus, here, this is yours. Transform me. Do a work in my life. He does what we tend to do. I think it's kind of human nature. We see it in the garden all the way through Scripture is when, when we are feeling exposed and vulnerable and weak and our struggles are coming to light, rather than stepping into it, we zip the bag as fast as we can, we grab it and we walk away because we don't want it to be seen. We don't want it to be known because we are fearful of what may come from that. And so this man walks away sad, struggling. Now, now full disclosure, we don't know ultimately how this young man responded. 
We don't know. Maybe he did go off and sell all of his possessions and give them to the poor and then come and follow Jesus. We just don't know. The story doesn't go that far. But what we do know is this was not easy, that this was a challenge, that this was a vulnerable moment for this young man. And it was a moment that rocked the disciples' world because they're looking at the bag, all the prettiness. This man seems to have it all together. He's wealthy and he's overly involved in his religious practices. He follows the law. I mean, this guy, this guy should be our poster child for what it means to be a follower of God. And they look at it and Jesus saying, hey, this is what you still need to do. And the disciples freak out. They're like, if he can't be saved, then who can? Because he's got it all together. They're still looking at the bag and not seeing what Jesus is pointing to. And Jesus responds in verse 26. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, this man in his baggage, in the things he was carrying around, ultimately, he walks away sad because he's too far gone, or so he feels. And a lot of the stuff that we cram into our cool-looking bags is the stuff that we feel is too much. Too much for others to handle, too much for God to handle. And the reality is that when we stuff all of these things into our bags, when we feel like it's just too much for God, that's not a commentary on how bad our stuff is. That's really a reflection of our belief in how big God is. Because if we believe that our weaknesses, our struggles, our sin, our brokenness is too much for God, then you need to reframe how you think about God. Because with man, fixing the baggage, fixing the brokenness, dealing with your vulnerable and weakest moments, that's impossible to do on your own. But with God, all things are possible. And Jesus is saying, just unzip the bag and open it up and let me have what's inside. Let me see these things. And the funny thing is, is we, we close our bags and we walk away from Jesus being like, no, this isn't for you, as if he doesn't know. Like he doesn't know the junk in your life. He already knows. So why do we hide it? Because we think God's too small. We think that he can't take our lives and fully redeem them. And so I'm just going to hold on to this for myself. And then we also slip into this area of subtle arrogance. Because we think that we're the only ones with baggage. We think we're the only ones that are in this spot. And so let's make sure our bags are pretty. We come to church making sure we're all together, that everything fits just perfectly so that way we can be a part of this community but here's the great thing this is one of my favorite things about the church if you are a part of the community of followers of jesus you are a part of the most wonderful beautiful big messed up dysfunctional weird and awkward family in the world and that's something to celebrate we are the only group of people in the world who say, hey, you're messed up. Come be a part of our family. And we embrace that on the front end, but the longer you're in it, the more it's like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't really be as open about my brokenness as, as I thought. And we start to hide it again. But this should be the place where we celebrate 
where we boast. We say, you know what? I'm not right. I'm broken. But I know someone who can fix me, who can transform me. The Apostle Paul in the book of 2 Corinthians, he had a moment where he was dealing with what he would call weaknesses. He was struggling. He was having a hard time. And, and he prayed to God to take away these weaknesses from him. He called them the thorn in his side. Maybe you guys have thorns in your side as well. And he got a reply from Jesus. And that reply from Jesus, I think, lays the foundation of who we are and what we're supposed to be about and what we should embrace. It says this, 2 Corinthians twelve nine. But he, Jesus, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Weakness, struggles, burdens, hardships, difficulties, sin, those are the areas that we should be boasting about because those are the areas where we're going to see the power of Christ manifest in our lives. Now, when we say boast, here's what we're not saying. Let's go back to the commandments. Jesus lays out those commandments for the rich young ruler. Thou shalt not murder. When we say boast about your weaknesses and boast about your hardships, your difficulties, and your sin, also, what we are not saying is this. Hey, I just killed somebody. Isn't that awesome? That's the wrong kind of boasting. What we are saying is, hey, I'm broken. I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. I struggle with sin just like anybody. But you know what? God's grace abounds and covers me and he will transform me. And I will see that happen in my life. Your brokenness, your hardships, your difficulties, your sin does not separate you from the power of Jesus. Jesus' grace knows no bounds. His grace is sufficient for you. So when we hold back our bags, when we say, Jesus, you can't have this, I'm keeping this from you, what we're saying is your grace is not good enough. It's not powerful enough, and so I'm going to hold on to this. But you can have the easy stuff. I'll stop saying curse words. But when it comes to the real issues in my life, my brokenness, the things that I have elevated as idols in my life, well, I'm going to keep those for me because I just don't think you can handle it. And we fear giving it over to God. And Jesus say, my grace is sufficient for you. And it doesn't matter how well you know Jesus, how long you've known Jesus. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning. The reality is Jesus can transform your life. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been, who you are, who you were, who you've hurt, who's hurt you. Jesus can transform you. His grace is sufficient. If we don't believe that Jesus' grace is sufficient to cover all of the junk that is in our bags, then we are pretty much saying that the cross is worthless, that the resurrection is meaningless, that it doesn't accomplish what we have been told that it accomplishes. But you're not too far gone. His grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect in your weakness. So rather than putting on the facade of strength and power, embrace weakness, humility, meekness, servanthood, and say, I am broken, Jesus. I need you. 
And you will see Jesus step into your life in ways that you can't imagine. You will see your community surround you in ways that you can't imagine because the power of Christ will be manifest in your weakness. But, it, but it's up to you. You have to take your bag, go before God and say, here it is. This is everything. This is what I've been holding back. This is where I've been. This is what I've done. This is what I deal with. This is what I struggle with. This is yours, Jesus. I'm giving it to you. And you will see that that transforming work of God will come into your life. His grace will cover you and is sufficient for you. But your job is to unzip the bag and open it up. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, We are so thankful for your grace. Thankful for your reach that it knows no bounds. Lord, that we can be transformed by you. And and God, we hold things back. We hang on to things. We give you some, but not all. Lord, let us move forward in giving you all. Whatever our bag is, no matter how cool it looks, it cannot transform all of the burdens and sin and brokenness and weakness that we put inside of it. So Lord, let us open up to you. Let us put it all before you. And step into the grace that you give us. Because your love knows no bounds. And your love covers us. Lord, let us be moved by that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.